Hello and welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse. Co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops and Detroit Bad Boys, a former D1 Hooper and high school coach, current teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids. And I've been Mari Sanko for the second, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. And we're going to get right into it today, guys. There's no time for anything else. We're going full first round NBA mock draft plus pick 31 because it is a Pistons podcast and that's where the Pistons select. And we are joined by two of no ceiling, not even just no ceilings finest, NBA draft contents finest in general, Tyler Metcalf. Tyler Rucker, they are on my podcast queue. I listen to them every week, all of that. Uh, I don't know who to go with first. Metcalf, let's start with you. How are you doing? Where else can our listeners find your stuff? Thank you for joining us. What an intro. I, I love it. Excited to be here. Love your guys' stuff. Um, you're just two, obviously, two great followers, and especially for with Piston-centric stuff. Uh, this is hitting close to home for me. Grew up a big Pistons fan, uh, so I, I feel at home. This this is absolutely perfect. I'm excited for this. Rucker, same thing. Let people know where they can find your work, what you're doing, anything else. No, I'm, I'm excited to be on this. Thank you guys for having us. I'm very excited for the Pistons. You know, I got my my, my bad boys shirt, had to rep, but um, this is going to be a good one. Me and Metcalf obviously have been talking on the No Ceilings pod throughout the year about how intrigued we are with the direction the Pistons are going. So I'm excited for this one. Thank you guys. Amari, I kind of just scathed over you. I'm sorry, my guy. We, 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 we talk all the time. We record all the time. They know who you? I am. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. How are you doing, Amari? Everything good in, in your world? I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's nice and cloudy here, up here in Detroit. Uh, you know, not a whole lot else. Uh, Monty Williams press conference coming up, draft, all that. Just savoring these last few days of relative calm before we go 100 miles an hour for about a month but i'm good i'm good thank you bryce so we're gonna go just mock draft we're gonna alternate every four picks metcalf landed the number one pick which isn't a whole lot of fun or maybe he'll make it fun i don't know but what that does give metcalf is pick number five so he will be choosing for the pistons omari got pick two so he'll be on every four there we got rucker with pick three which means he'll land the pistons pick at the top of the second round and then i get pick four and we'll just go round and round we'll settle in at places We'll just see how it goes. We're going to have a lot of fun. We thought it'd be cool to do a first mock, especially with these two experts. So Metcalf, lead us off. And are we going to have some fireworks to start off this crazy first round mock? Or are we just going to keep it pretty plain and simple? I mean, just obviously, I'm going to go London Miller one over. I'm, <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's Victor. Um, it ha- It was Victor a year ago. It's Victor now. It's going to be Victor 10 years from now. It's what the whole point of tanking this season was, was for. He's surprised it's the, the the franchise cornerstone franchise changer that you can only dream of kind of getting. Rucker, real quick, is there anything – we all know the positives of Victor. Is there anything that you've seen in film where you're like, man, maybe this doesn't work outside of injuries? Like is there anything where you've watched him and like – okay, yes, I see all the positives, but I can see this not turning into generational. Is there anything you've seen with Victor? I mean, me and Metcalf before the year even started had a lot of questions, you know, because I actually have a piece coming out on Victor tomorrow um, at noceilingsinvade.com, and and there was a ton of questions. I, I think a lot of people think he was this slam dunk consensus, like no matter what, if he sat out the season, he would have been in topic. Now he, he was the best prospect we've seen in a long time, and I think the defense is very good. Like, don't get me wrong, but, you know, me and Metcalf have talked about it. I, I think his length, his size makes up for a lot of stuff. 
So I think it's just going to be fine tuning at the next level and that's going to happen. He's going to have an adjustive curve, which everyone does, but in terms of, you know, generational prospects, he's, he's been up to the hype this year. He stayed healthy, which was one of the biggest things coming into this season. And he's going to be awesome. It's going to be so fantastic to see kind of what he does at the next level. All right, Amari, you're on the clock. Number two, the Charlotte Hornets. This actually could be kind of interesting, and I'll definitely get the Tyler's takes after this, but who are you selecting number two overall for the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, I'm actually going to stick uh, with my best player available at this point in the drive, who is Scoot Henderson. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, like to fit him and the mellow ball going forward, maybe some question marks there, but uh, like, I just love Scoot's game. I just I just think he has very clear star potential, maybe the most out of anybody except Wimby, obviously, and just makes sense. You know, part of me thinks maybe Brendan Miller is just the right fit just because, you know, to slot him in and obviously a big need there with Gordon Hayward being in the last year of his deal. But Scoot, Scoot's the pick for me. All right, Rucker, I'll get your thoughts on that because you'll have pick three. And so I want to know, but Metcalf real quick, is this your selection? And, you know, where where is your big board in terms of these two guys, Scoot and Brandon Miller? Uh, yeah, I've I've had Scoot locked into two basically since that Vegas showcase. I actually entered the year with him at one um, because of just some of the concerns that Rucker previously mentioned with Victor, and then Victor immediately shut those down. Um, I, I think Scoot, the the criticisms against him as, uh, oh, you can find a 6'2 guard anywhere. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, you can't find this 6'2 guard anywhere. Um, just insane IQ, um, you know, shot over 32-ish percent from three this year. It, huge leap in that it's exactly what you want to see i think he'll be fine as a shooter um i think the defense will be a lot better at the next level too he, similar to victor this is a guy that would go number one in 99 percent of drafts and the exact type of player and character that you want to build a franchise with rucker you're up number three with the blazers as part of your selection and i don't know it might be a little more tricky depending on where you go i would like to get your perspective on the scoot brandon miller debate or conversation as well assuming that Miller's the pick. Maybe Miller's not, and this may go somewhere different, but I would love to get your take on that as well as you make your selection at number three for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, for for Portland, I'm going to take Brandon Miller. I I think the top three picks are going to be these three names. It's just what's the order. Um, I'm with you guys, though. When it comes back back to two, I would go scoot two. I've had him number two my whole year, and I feel very, very passionate about that. Me and Metcalf have been just laughing about, you know, some of the questions about his playmaking this year. I was like, he's been fantastic with his playmaking. I think everything is on the exact path when it comes to developmental. Like, he's taking a huge leap, and I'm buying the outside shot. I'm buying that the defense is going to come around. I mean, seeing him in person, his frame. Now, I I know there's been some photos going around the, the web, and everyone's been like, whoa, Scoot's jacked. And I'm like, yeah, in person, it's three times more impressive. I mean, he is extremely stocky. I think he's a hard worker for, for Portland. I think they're going to probably, if scoots there, they're going to probably keep it. I'm leaning that way. And um, for now, I think Brandon Miller makes a lot of sense there. If Charlotte does go scoot because, you know, Brandon Miller, Dame and Shane Sharp, who I think is going to be having a fantastic second season. That's a really strong trio of offensive firepower. So um, I think Portland's going to end up keeping it and, you know, they're going to take whoever's there between Scoot and Brandon Miller for right now. I think it's Brandon Miller and that's a home run. 
I'm up at number four with the Houston Rockets. I know what I think. I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. I'm really interested to get both of your opinions on this selection. And then obviously we'll get into what everybody really wants to hear with the Pistons pick at five. I'm going to take Amin Thompson. I do have Amin as my fourth prospect. Um, that comes into play a little bit. If I was at five with Detroit, I would still think Cam because of tier stuff. But anyway, I think Amin is the fourth best prospect. I don't know. Maybe it's just the excitement factor. I just think him and Jalen Green in a backcourt together would be so much fun. The athleticism. I do think Amin is really good. I know we'll talk about Asar later. Later, I think he's much better than Asar, to be quite frank. But anyway, that's who I'm taking it for for Houston. Metcalf, or sorry, I'm going to go to Rucker first, let you give your thoughts, and then Metcalf will transition to you to that and your pick for the Pistons. So Rucker, Amin as a player and number four to Houston. Is that what you would have done? I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, hey, you're you're picking in the top five. You want to swing for the fences. You want to chase that upside, that star power. And Amin has that. He's going to have some of the most upside in this entire class. Now, he has plenty of question marks. You know, me and Metcalf have been a little cooler on him throughout the year. And I think those questions are warranted. But for what Houston needs, like I've said it before, I think Amin and Houston is a perfect marriage. It's just do the Rockets feel that way to, to go all in and kind of give him the keys to the, to the castle, if you want to put it that way. I mean, he needs the ball in his hands. Now there's been plenty of rumors about Harden going back. I don't know if I'm buying that, but in terms of what Houston needs, in terms of star power, a man makes a lot of sense of four. Metcalf, before you make the big selection of this whole thing, we may, we got about 50 listeners right now, Metcalf. <laughs> we may lose them all depending on where you go. No, it depends on where you go. We went 50%, 25%. But give your thoughts on Amin. Uh, you know, if you would have taken him there at four, if you think that was a little overzealous by me, and then go ahead and lead us into this fifth overall pick by the Pistons. Yeah, so I'm just going straight off my big board, I have Amin a lot lower. I'm really skeptical. I see the superstar upside. Like, I, I get what he could grow into, and it, that's a heck of a player. Um, I also think the floor is a little lower than a lot of other people do. You know, just looking at like the top seven picks, Houston's really the only fit that I really like for him, where he can come in and play that point guard role right away. He won't really be asked to do much uh, on ball scoring, um, you know, take some of the offensive responsibility away from Jalen Green, let him play a little more off ball, give Jabari a guy to actually pass him the ball. You know, I, I think there's a lot to really like with that fit. Everywhere else, I'm a little more skeptical on. Let's go ahead and get to it. Pick number five. Uh, if you're not watching live, you don't see the ticker across the bottom. So Victor, Scoot, Miller, and Amin Thompson off the board. Troy Weaver, the Detroit Pistons are on the clock. Metcalf, who are you taking with this pick? So th this has kind of been a name I've been pushing for a while to the Pistons, basically ever since the lottery fell this way. Um, I have Jairus Walker one spot ahead of him, but I'm going to go Cam Whitmore um, because I think that athleticism, the strength, the power, the off-ball scoring – um, I think it's all there. The concerns about his lack of playmaking are very legitimate, but putting him with Cade and Ivy, he's not going to be asked to do any of that and, and instead can just focus on you know, honing in the, his ability to shoot off the catch. I thought the jumper looked a lot better as the year went on. I thought his individual on-ball defense looked pretty good, um, at least in isolation. Uh, there's some weak side rim protection potential with him when he's able to be the low man. The rest of the off-ball stuff is pretty hit or miss right now. But I, I think being able to put him in a more simplified role, let him leverage that athleticism to attack space, attack rotations, get downhill, uh, shoot off the catch, I, I, I like that fit for them. 
All right, I'm going to get to you, Rucker. But Omari, as you said on a recent podcast we were guests on, we are a Cam Whitmore-friendly <laughs> podcast here at the Pistons Pulse. And we, we will talk – we're, we're going to spend the rest of the first segment talking about the rest of these things before we go into the rest of the mock. So we are going to settle in here just a little bit. Omari, Metcalf takes Cam Whitmore at number five. I think that's where both you and I would be right now based on the board or honestly maybe even if the men was on the board if you know Houston went with somebody else. Why do you like Cam Whitmore for the Pistons at five? I feel like you've kind of settled into this as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same reasons. You know, I just think you look at what he's doing at the age of 18 where, uh, like, and I've told you this a few times, sitting on the pod, like his athleticism and physicality reminds me of Anthony Edwards a little bit just in the sense that he could rise above you, but also he's just really powerfully built and can just kind of go right through guys. I like his body control. I like his touch at the rim. Uh, you know, I believe in him as a shooter, 40% catch and shoots. You saw some, you know, creation there behind the perimeter. And, you know, like along with that, he's you know, 6'6", decent wingspan. Uh, there's just like a lot to build with. And the playmaking is a concern. But I think just seeing what he can do off ball with the shooting, he's an intuitive cutter. I mean, he can be, you could probably even put him in a dunker spot, like let, like let him do some live stuff. It's just he doesn't need the ball at all really to play his game. And uh, just him being so young, I'm at least able to, you know, see – uh, a curve for him where he does figure some of the playmaking out. He's probably not ever going to be like a five, six assist a night guy, but, you know, just making the the simple reads, like I already he can already attack closeouts, right? So it's just about giving the ball to the big underneath. Am I kicking it out? Am I just taking it? Just simple stuff. Just make simple reads. I think he can get there. and Just fit upside. I just I just think Kevin Whitmore checks out those boxes for Detroit. Before we get Rutgers' take on this, we are not doing trades today. No, please I am, no. Please no. <laughs> I am, I'll be honest. I'm swimming as it is, trying to update the ticker and you know engage the chat and keep track of who's been selected. Some of my selections may end up being completely off the wall by the time I pick. So no trades, although it would be fun. And I understand people who would want to say, hey, trade back to eight or nine or something. Take Taylor Hendricks if you think he'll even fall that far. I get it. We're just not going to get into that day. That gets today. That gets really complicated. Rucker, Cam Whitmore at five. We've talked about the positives, the negatives, the fits. You talk about Cam Whitmore and then also maybe somebody else. I know Metcalf mentioned he actually has Jairus Walker higher. That's a fan favorite for Pistons fans also. So talk about Cam and then maybe also if you think Jairus Walker could be a good fit for this team. I love the the Cam Whitmore I'm, I'm to Detroit. I think that's one of the fits that I'm really warming up on in a hurry. I think, you know, we talked about Amanda Houston. I think Whitmore to Detroit makes a lot of sense when you're talking about what they're building. Um like, look, you, you add Whitmore to what they have going right now. You're setting a tone with this roster where it comes to some nastiness. Um, you know, we talked about Cade Cunningham. I think he's going to have a humongous year. Jay Nivey, obviously, like those are explosive transition guys. Um, Cade has the playmaking ability. Now you get Whitmore on the wing with them. That's another dangerous guy that can tackle the basket. The, the outside shot's really coming along. And then we're forgetting Jalen Duran in the middle. So you're getting some real nastiness around the basket when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. I just think the upside with Whitmore and, you know, everyone you talk about or ask around the league is you're just praising Whitmore in workouts. They're just like, he's looked fantastic. So I think Detroit's going to be in a great spot to where if they want him, he's going to be there. And um, I love the fit. I, I really do. I think Jarris is a name not to you know, overlook if you're a Pistons fan. I just think the intangibles, everything you hear about him is just through the roof. Like you've, you talk to, you try to find someone that gives a negative about the guy and you just can't find it. He's a 
hard worker, playmaking, a lot of stuff that checks the boxes. And if you're entertaining that idea, Jarris and Jalen Duran next to each other, my goodness, with that defensive upside. So Detroit's in a really good spot. I know Pistons fans were bummed on the lottery night, but I, I kind of went away going, they're going to be in a good spot probably to get a really good piece. And I think the other name to to throw out there is Taylor Hendricks. It would not shock me if if he's maybe five's a little rich for some Pistons fans, but I think that's a popular name. I, I've, I've heard great things. We had him on No Ceilings Pod. He did a film sesh breakdown, and I know Corey and Albert after were praising him. They're just like great kids. So they're in a great spot. They're, they really are, and I think they're in a heck of a talent. But I like the upside of Whitmore. I, I really do, and he's going to get some, you know, like Amari said, the playmaking stuff's a little bit questionable, but I think putting him around guys like Cade and JD, it's going to make his life easy early on. Okay, so Metcalf, I want to stay with that because they've hired Monty Williams, the .5 offense. I'm sure you guys have seen this. Like Pistons fans are eating this up, and we're super excited about it. You know, you have to catch the ball, and then you have to make a decision. Dribble past you in .5 seconds. So, you know, obviously want to make quick decisions. Cade is kind of that type of player. I think we all here believe that Jalen Duran is that type of player. Jay Nivey, I think, showed more of it than what a lot of people thought, at least. I'm not saying he's a, the same cerebral player as those guys, even a Killian Hayes. Maybe this really resurrects his young career. So my question, Metcalf, is, is adding Whitmore to that a good thing in the sense that he can kind of be insulated? Or does it actually make it look worse because he's the one guy that maybe doesn't do it as well as them? Like, that's what I'm trying to reconcile. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, and that's where these interviews and in-person workouts, and you know, that's where that really becomes important because you get to learn more about the guy. How coachable is he? What does he actually think of the game? And that was a big weakness for him this year. You know, the the, the playmaking numbers are what they are, but the ball also tended to stick with him. Where you know, it wasn't point five; it was more like two point five. And you know, it get there, it would read the floor. Okay, now what am I going to do? And he's just such a freak athlete where he can do that but if you want the ball flowing you know it's going to stick with him at least early now if he's the type of kid and player um you know that we've kind of heard he is then i think that's something that's going to come come around a little quicker and when you're playing with guys like Cade and ivy and duran who are you know kind of in that same age range and implementing these play styles and you know you hope that it kind of starts to rub off on them but if it doesn't that's where the offense is going to start looking to get pretty bogged down and just circling back to Jairus. I don't think that's ever going to be a problem with Jairus. His decision-making, his processing on both ends of the floor, incredibly high. So I, we, we mentioned Taylor Hendricks. I think he's a little closer to Cam Whitmore in that sense, but I, I love all three of those guys in terms of just an on-court fit. Real quick, Rucker, before we go to break, and then when we come back from a break, Amari will be back on the clock with a very interesting Orlando Magic pick. So I hope Amari's got that one ready to go. Rucker, Let's say Amin Thompson is on the board at five. I know you guys are a little bit lower in general, so maybe this wouldn't change anything for you. But I'm going to ask you to make a positive pitch for Amin fitting with this Detroit team because there are some fans and there is some talent. He does move the ball. He is a a field guy, a a quick processor, a big-time athlete. Could it work? Like, Do you see any world where it works with Amin, Cade, and Ivy, or is it like, no, there's just too many guys that really need the ball in their hands to really cook? 
Okay, positive. Um, we try <laughs> to keep it positive, no ceiling. So let's see what I can do. Um, no, the upside still. And what a men has going for him is also something we talked about, Jarris. Like everyone you talk to says the men's glowing with, you know, his background stuff. Everyone's like hard worker, great kid. So if Detroit goes that route, it is just an all-in, we're going explosiveness, we're going to run up the floor like, you know, a bunch of demons straight out of hell. Like, we're just going crazy. And he's got the tools to, to make it last, but you just have to figure out, like, okay, are you playing a men on the wing? Like, how does that lineup work out? Are you playing him as a three and you're kind of just sharing the rock with everyone and... I still think a man needs to go somewhere where he has the ball in his hand. I, I think it's just one of those guys that like he needs to be bringing the ball up. He needs to be running in transition. But if you think that there's another world where he can unlock some off ball stuff and the playmaking's there, he, he'd probably be great fit with Monty's mentality of, okay, make quick decisions. Um, he'd be a fun target for Jalen Duran. That'd probably be a nightmare when it comes to pick and roll and stuff. But I just think there's so many other intriguing options that make such a great fit for Detroit that, you know, you could argue a SAR might be even better fit than a men. And, and I'm not trying to just dog on a men, but I just think a SAR's ability to play off the ball is probably going to transition a little bit better. But a man can make sense. If someone's believing it and you're buying in the upside, I get it. And, and if Detroit wants to say, screw it, let's just go all in and figure it out down the road. And we're getting all this star power. All right, let's, let's see what happens. But um, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. I know Rucker was doing the question I asked, but Omari, did he sell you on it? Cause I know we've <laughs> talked about this Omari that we're not real sure on a man. I think you're even a little lower than me. So I'm not saying what Rucker just said is fully what he believes. I'm just, <laughs> I, I ask him and I appreciate him trying his best to bring that positivity. Omari, did he sway you in any, in any way that maybe a men could, should, would work with the Pistons? Just in this draft where there's so many options that, are really good, don't need the ball, and you're getting a lot of the same defensive upside and some other things. I just, I'm just not swayed. I, you know, I just think, you know, I'm in, you know, very well. He could come in and immediately pop and make a lot of people eat their words. But, you know, for him, I just look at the fact, you know, six, seven on ball guy, uh, just, just very early in his framework as an outside shooter, you know, to the point to where typically players like him, I think a lot of people project. Uh, you know, when he figures the shooting out, like he's going to be incredible. And they talk about it with an amount of certainty that I don't have. I just don't have that certainty that he's just going to, you know, keep working and working and become you know, like this knockdown shooter that opens his game out. And that's not, I'm not questioning his work ethic. I'm not saying he can't do it. You know, I'm just saying, you know, typically by 20 years old, you know, players are, tip, they, they either have the, you know, tools where they're building on it or they don't. And for him, it's just probably something that's going to come a little bit later. Uh, you know, I think the Pistons, you take out men. And, you know, if he doesn't really start to show that growth as a shooter by the time he's eligible for an extension, you already have Ivy and Cade and those guys will be extended by then. You know, something nothing goes wrong. It's just there's just better ways to maximize that pick. You know, I just think of this draft, looking at who's going to be available in those spots. I don't necessarily feel like I need to go that route when there are options that uh, are not only safer, but can still have that same long term upside as well. We got to keep this moving now. We settled in there at number five because it is a Pistons podcast, but we are going to get to the rest of the first round, plus 31 at the end. So we're going to go to a short break. When we come back, Amari, you will lead us off with pick number six for the Orlando Magic. Back with segment two, and I have the Orlando Magic here at number six. They're a unique team in the sense that, you know, they've hit on like a lot of high picks in the last few years. And, 
you know, it seems like they don't have any obvious needs, but they look at the roster and it's like, okay, they clearly need maybe somewhere in that, that two, three range, which Cam Whitmore was the guy. And, you know, he went to Detroit at number five. Like, he was the perfect fit for me. So I'm actually going to go Anthony Black at number six. I'm going to go Anthony Black. All I right. Like that. Rucker, you like it? Uh, let's go to you. What do you think about that pick with Anthony Black to the Magic? The problem with Orlando is I feel like I want to project like 15 different guys there and, and it's it's been giving me a headache moving forward. And then I, I keep getting to Anthony Black and it makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously, it's a headache because Orlando's just guard heavy and it's like, OK, can we just get one and just go all in with this one? But um I think you're talking about just the fit and the upside. I, I think Anthony Black is one of those names that's probably going to be higher in NBA circles than he might be for, you know, draft fans. Um, so I, I like the idea of him going to Orlando. You're getting a playmaking high IQ guy. That's not going to need to carry the load offensively. Obviously Paulo's going to take that role. And then they got Franz on the wing and putting Anthony black with him at six, seven with the defensive upside he has. I, I do like that fit. I'm warming up to it a lot. So I like that pick. Yeah, I think what makes it tough is just the lack of shooting, right? Uh, yes, you know, but, yes, you know, yes. And I I feel better about him long-term, at least being able to knock down open threes and some other guys in that range, which, again, that's a swing skill. But if it's just, let's just take the best wing here, it's probably, you know, you have a good argument for him. Metcalf, your your thoughts? Yeah, and I, I really like it. And whenever we've kind of done this mock draft exercise with these two magic picks in the lottery, we usually take one home run swing at six. And then, you know, the, the desperate need for them is shooting. Anthony Black doesn't. Fit, fill that obviously but at six seven being I, I think he does have the opportunity to be more of a traditional point guard put him in there with that defense the the size the feel the playmaking I think kind of like Mari said I think he'll be fine shooting off the catch and you know when you get Paolo operating from the elbow Franz driving and kicking I think he'll be at least a viable option um, in that realm while also being able to just have a really high feel um, on the offensive end and just kind of run things so if that hits and then you add that size that feel that IQ the playmaking with that same combination with Franz and Paolo there's a lot to really like there all right we're at pick number seven Rucker you're on the clock with the Indiana Pacers yeah, Indiana's interesting, I think, especially for, for Pistons fans, because I think they're going to be hot on the trail with Whitmore, too. So I, I imagine if they're head over heels, it's Pistons fans got to watch out, see if Indiana tries to move up. But um, I think they're going to be in a similar spot, you know, where Detroit took Whitmore. So Indiana might be like, OK, we like a couple names, too, that Detroit might have in the conversation. Um, I think if Jairus Walker's on the board, I, I think Indiana's not going to pass that up. I, I think they're going to give a long, hard look to Taylor Hendricks. I know they brought all three of those guys in for private workouts, but I think Jairus going seven to the Pacers is a great fit for for what they're doing. I love the idea of him and Hal Burton playing on the court together. And then Matherin was fantastic in his rookie year. I think he's going to take another step this year. So Jairus would be a, a, a great step in the right direction, especially, you know, Miles Turner. I, I'm, I'm hoping those trade rumors get put to rest finally, but um, I know he got an extension. So Turner, Jairus Walker, Hal Burton, and Matherin, that's a, a fun group to to groom with. Yeah, I like that. Halliburton and Walker, that's two really high processors, Phil guys working together, and then Matherin can just do his thing. And I was a big Matherin guy last year, so um, I know he started out strong and then it kind of wavered a little bit. I'm on the clock now with the Wizards at eight, and I think I would have taken Anthony Black here. I've considered Cason Wallace, but I'm going to do something a little different and 
kind of because I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. I'm actually going to go Asar Thompson. I know this isn't crazy different, but he can play the wing. But I feel like in Washington, then there's also an opportunity to maybe be that creator that some people think he is, that he hasn't shown as much kind of playing in a men's shadow. So I'm actually going to go Asar here at eight, even though I did say I was a little lower on him. I would love to get your guys' thoughts on that. And if I'm just absolutely crazy, I know this is kind of the range in general, but is this a decent fit, Metcalf? Yeah, and I definitely think it is. Um, I I think the defense was a lot more consistent and a lot more sound this year um, for him. Really high level uh, defensive playmaker and really good hands, um, especially like rotate making those uh, rotations and swiping down on the roller or cutters, all that kind of stuff. Um, so for defensively, I think that'd be a really seamless fit for him. And then obviously Bradley Beal is going to have the ball most of the time. And I think Asar showed a really high level of cutting and offensive rebounding this year where he's not just sitting in the corner or sitting above the break, just waiting for the ball to be kicked out to him. He's constantly relocating, moving, finding those open pockets. Um, I have some concern about the at-rim finishing stuff. Um, The shot, I thought it looked a lot better. But again, going back to the touch, I'm not sure how real it is. When, When you talk about playmaking though i don't think he's going to be one of these guys that's ever a primary or secondary creator but his ability to push and transition to play make in that area to drive and kick to um find little interior passes to keep the ball moving um was really impressive so he's not the flashy playmaker that his brother is but as a connective passer as someone who can keep the ball moving and kind of keep the offensive flowing he's really really good at that All right, Rucker, I want to get your thoughts on Asar as well, because this is another name with Pistons fans where they're like, you know, maybe a men doesn't fit, but we can take Asar at five. He's the better fit. I think you even alluded to that a little bit, not saying that they should, but that he might actually be the better fit. So talk about Asar in the context of the Wizards, but, you know, within that, we can kind of see maybe what the fit would be in Detroit as well. I I, I like the fit for him going to Washington because I think, you know, that that organization has a new wave of management coming through. That front office looks completely different. So they're probably going to be a wild card on the draft and they might go a completely different direction than we're all expecting. Um, Asar is just one of those names I think could go in such a wide range. Like I could see him being in the conversation at five. Um, Obviously Houston's been rumored to like both Thompson twins. I've got to see both Asar and Amen in person this year. I just think he's got the potential to have a little bit of an easier transition because of this versatility on the court. He's he's much more comfortable off the ball, but he also is one of those guys that you probably love to play with. I mean, he understands how to make the extra pass. He's very unselfish with the ball in his hands, and he's a great cutter. Like he he understands how to attack spacing and lapses in a defense. I think the shots coming along in the right direction. Um, I just see the upside. I really do think he's got some defensive stuff that could really be unlocked too. So I like him going there to Washington. Um, I think they just, you know, obviously the Bradley Beal is the elephant in the room. It's like, okay, what are we doing? But with a new front office, it's going to be interesting to see where they go. And um, as I said before, I I really do like Asar. I think he's one of those names where he could go in a ton of places because I like his fit with a lot of teams. Metcalf, you're going to be up number nine with the Jazz. I actually have their other two picks in the first round. So what you decide here is going to maybe change where I end up going. But number nine overall, Utah Jazz. All right. uh, Torn between two names who I have back to back. Um, I'm just going to go best player available for me, Taylor Hendricks. Um, 
I, I think the the size with him and Laurie Markinen and Walker Kessler uh, is great for them uh, for rebounding. Uh, with Hendricks and Walker Kessler would quickly become two of the best, rim, wow. or one of the best rim protection pairings. Um, and then I th- also think he just gives another reliable outlet for some of their guards who aren't necessarily pure playmakers or pure point guards, but Jordan Clarkson took a step in that right direction. Uh, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker was, this was year seven of having a couple flashes. Um, so, you know, I, I just think building size length um, and just kind of two way versatility. I think he's a really easy um, and seamless fit uh, and someone who's going to produce positive, at least some positive things on both ends of the floor pretty early. Real quick. Who was the other name? Kobe Bufkin. Oh, I love Kobe. I can't wait till we talk about Kobe Bufkin. All right, Amari, you are on the clock. Number 10 for the Mavs fans. If we have any Mavs fans that listen to this, are not going to be happy about that pick. I think a lot of them are hoping Hendricks falls to them at 10. So I'm really, really interested here, Amari. You've got a couple tough selections. Number 10, Dallas Mavericks, Amari. Yeah, I was also hoping Taylor Hendricks was going to be there, uh, you know, just for obvious reasons. He really is you know, a perfect fit for what they need out of a rookie not that they really even need a rookie to begin with with the timeline that they're in, but Hendricks checks a lot of boxes for them. Uh, I'm just going to go best player available, uh, who also I think fits pretty well, Grady Dick. Uh, just obviously great, great shooter. You know, I think when you have a guy with his size who shoots as well as he does, I don't know if you ever regret taking that, uh, you know, just given the modern NBA. On top of that, like I just like his body control. I think he's a good athlete. I think he's got a solid handle. I think he can really be – uh, solid all-around offensive player. Uh, you know, I think you could look at him down the road and maybe there's some similarities with him and a guy like a Franz Wagner where he just does everything offensively pretty well. Uh, like, obviously different players, but that's kind of who I think of when I see a guy like Grady Dick. And uh, I feel pretty comfortable with that. You know, Dallas just needs all the talent they can get. And also the guys in that range, he also has a good chance to be effective from day one just because he can space the floor from day one. All right, Rucker, I want to get your thoughts on that real quick as well. But then you go ahead and move into your number 11 overall pick with the Magic. Just remember, they took Anthony Black, number six. But quick thoughts on Grady Dick to the Mavs, and then go ahead and make your selection at 11. I, I like him going to, to Dallas. I think it's one of those names that, you know, he he's had a wide range, but I think some team's going to be very intrigued with, you know, what Amari's saying with just his, his off-ball shooting. He's a smart player. He's got good size. Um, I think he's a great off-ball movement guy, too. I, I mean, he's just a smart, intelligent player, and I'd love to give Luca some shooting, so I, I like that pick a lot. I feel like we've been waiting for them to get some shooters around him. So, um, yeah, that, that makes sense. I I got a Orlando at 11. That's kind of a name I was hoping was going to still be on the board. So, you know, we took Anthony Black at 6. I, I really just think with one of these picks, Orlando has to get some shooting. So, um I think I'm going to go Jordan Hawkins of UConn. Yes. I really like Jordan a lot. I think NBA teams are are smitten on him. I think it's going to be one of those guys that has the tools to potentially be a, a dangerous weapon in your your rotation. And with Orlando getting Anthony Black, you got some great size as a as a ball handler and a playmaker. You got Paulo. You got Franz. Now add another wrinkle to the to the dimension where you're getting this lethal off ball shooter who going to be very annoying for a lot of people in the NBA to defend. So I, I like Jordan Hawkins a lot there. Man, Jordan Hawkins is my what do we draft crush, whatever you say. Like <laughs> I just I watched a lot of Jordan Hawkins this year. Omari knows it. I'm, I'm a big fan. I love that pick for him in Orlando. I'm on the clock at 12 and I'm glad this guy's still here. I'm going to take it just because I want to hear what Metcalf's reaction to it is. So it to me, it seems like the Thunder pick 
I'm going to take Bilal Koulibaly, number 12, to the Thunder. This is actually truly a guy. I know guys pick up steam, right? And him and Victor are the only ones playing right now. I watched the film, and I really did like a lot of things. Like defensively, as an 18-year-old, he's communicating and doing off-ball things. I know the shooting is very, very slow, but I would rather have a slow shooting form than an awful shooting form. So he's young. Maybe it's a little too much steam, but I think the Thunder are probably the right environment to him to go to and succeed. Even though I, I get a little nervous about how many young guys, like how many projects with Ushman Deng and all these different guys, but I'm going to go Koulibaly at number 12 for the Thunder. Metcalf, your thoughts on that, and then you'll be on the clock as well at 13 with the Raptors. Yeah, and he's definitely the flavor of the week with how hot his end of the season has been. Um, You mentioned the defense, and I really think there's a high chance that he's the best perimeter defender from this class at the end of the day. Um, Just his his fluidity, his length, his awareness, his timing, um, the the footwork, it's all really, really impressive. Uh, So it wouldn't surprise me if 10 years from now we're talking about him as someone who's made a bunch of all defensive teams. The offense I'm a little cooler on. Um, I get the intrigue, and it's for me, it's kind of w- continuing to weigh the is this just natural growth or is he just hitting a hot streak at the absolute perfect time? Uh, the shooting is super slow, but that can be sped up, especially with the, sh- the shooting coaches that they have in Oklahoma City. Um, my bigger concern is that he seems really reluctant a lot of the time shooting where he'll just pass up wide open catch and shoot threes. Um, I He gets to the rim a ton. There's no pull up game to him right now. And that is the bigger concern with the slowness of the shot for me, where it's like, OK, you you, be, you better be able to knock it down off the catch, because when Giddy and SGA, um, you know, and Jalen Williams, when they're driving and kicking to you, you have to let it fly. Um, so I'm not sure what the actual offense is going to look like. Um, I think it's a steep hill for him, but if what we've seen from the last year kind of continues, it's going to be wild, wild development growth for him. Um, okay. So at 13 for the Raptors going best player available, I'm going Kobe Bufkin, uh, one of the best defensive guards in this class, I think. Incredible hands, really good footwork, can get a little jumpy on ball. Uh, but the offensive growth that we saw from him this year was absurd. Uh, the shot is really beautiful. I, I trust it off the pull-up, off the catch. Really shifty ball handler, best hesitation move in the country, I think. Um, really developed his playmaking as in that two-man game. And then just his at-rim finishing stuff is truly absurd. I love Kobe Bufkin. I watched a lot of him this year and then just watched him grow, as you talked about. And whenever Jet Howard was out, all of a sudden he flourished even more. That's not a knock on Jet Howard, just saying when he got more room to maneuver. There was a guy – I actually am really proud of my big board right now, guys, because my tears, all of that has kind of fit into this. So I'm pretty proud of my big board. There's one guy that's kind of falling, I feel like, and so I'm interested where he goes, and that's why these things are fun. Amari – Pelicans at number four. I realize like you got some tough ones. I, I think I got a, an easy <laughs> list of teams to select for. Yours is a little tougher. I did that on purpose, of course. Can you and Wes always conspire against me? So yeah, I was number, gonna say this feels intentional, man. I, wow. <laughs> number so, 14 overall, Amari, the, the New Orleans Pelicans. No, this is actually a pretty easy pick for me. I'm gonna go Derek Lively, uh, the second. Uh like I just look at this team and you know, I always think just what's the perfect big to pair next to Zion? And ideally is somebody who can only protect the rim but space the floor. And is he doing those things at a high level now? No, he's not. But I just think of somebody who can kind of grow and settle into their game. And he's worked out for teams really well. 
he just makes sense. You know, I don't know if I don't think Jonas Valanciunas is their long term solution there. You know, I know they they've taken some centers over the years that just haven't quite panned out. The Jackson Hayes, I'm not sure where he is. Uh, you know, I'm comfortable making an upside swing with them. I know that when Zion is healthy, that you know they are talented enough to win playoff games, but it just hasn't come together for them from an injury standpoint. And I just don't think they necessarily need to look at this draft and say, let's try to find another Herb Jones. You need, I think you need to take some top end swings and you know just still plan for the future. And he checks those boxes for me. All right, Rucker, you're up. Number 15 overall, Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, this one's actually giving me a headache. I wasn't expecting it. Um, There's two names on the board that I I think are tumbling a little bit that I would probably say if Atlanta went best player available, that make a lot of sense. But I just, um, and and that's Keontae George and Cason Wallace, but it's just giving me a headache thinking of like, okay, what are they going to do there with that backward already? So I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to shake things up a little bit. Um, I'm going to give them Jet Howard. So I'm going to give Atlanta another sharpshooter on the wing and um, makes a little bit more sense for me when it comes to playing with Trey and DeJounte. And I just, as much as I love Keontae and, you know, Cason Wallace, and it might make a lot of sense for Atlanta to just say, well, just give us the best player available. I think Jed Howard also makes a lot of sense there. I love it. I was nervous you were going to take Kaysen because I'm like, man, I feel like Kaysen is definitely the pick at 16 for the Jazz, especially yes. since we took Taylor Hendricks earlier. So I'm not going to waste anybody's time here. I'm going to take – and I, I will say I like Keontae here. I'm a little higher on Nick Smith Jr. than a lot of people, I think, having watched the film recently. But I don't have those guys above Kaysen Wallace because of the defense. I think he can shoot it. And I don't know. I guess I'm buying into the Kentucky guard thing that he has more than what he's able to show. So – Kaysen Wallace, 16, to the Utah Jazz. Metcalf, you're up with the Los Angeles Lakers at 17. Just based on how much he's fallen compared to where I have him ranked, um, I just got to go best player available, Keontae George. I, I think the shooting's going to be so much better than the number mm-hmm. than what the numbers suggested this year. I think when you when you watch what he did at IMG um, as, a, or as a senior and how much more impressive his percentages were there, the shot diet was completely different where it's mostly spot up. It's all off ball stuff. And this year with Baylor, you know, they demand a ton of movement and a ton of activity from their guards on both ends of the floor. And he did that. He stepped out of his comfort zone this year. There's a lot more playmaking to his game, a ton more off ball movement. And I thought the defense was way better than I expected it to be. So I think there's some playmaking chops there, but with the Lakers in that more off ball role, I think the shooting numbers are going to improve. And then he's going to kind of be able to provide some second side or some second side creation um, for them. I think the Lakers would be really happy with that selection. You get Keontae George who can get buckets. Omari, 18, Miami Heat. Who fits Heat culture that is left on the board? Yeah, I'm going to go Jalen Hill, Shafino. Just big all-around guard. Uh, The Heat, probably they probably need a big, but also I just think when you have an aging team and you're still probably in win-down mode next season, uh, you know, just get best player available. And I think he's the right mix uh, for coming and help, but also still has a lot of long-term potential. Uh, Just good. All around guard, not the many hoes in this game. You know, and I also just got to look at them with, I mean, you have Tyler Hero in that backcourt. You have Kyle Lowry, but, you know, you probably still need a little bit of help uh, back there. I know Gabe Vincent and, uh, you know, they have guys playing just really fantastic basketball right now, but I'm just best player available. And to me, he is a player that, uh, I mean, his draft stock's rising now. He could easily go in the lottery, but, you know, if he does fall this late, you know, teams will probably wonder why they allowed him to go that late in the draft. So I think that's just the most logical pick for me here. Jalen Hesh, if you know. 
All right, Rucker, you got the Warriors. Another really interesting one. I'm I'm curious to see where you go with this one. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be very interesting. I think uh, the Warriors are gonna have a very fascinating offseason, um, especially with Bob Myers out the door. Um, you know, I I think they could go upside, but I think. Recent history has shown maybe they tr- might try to get someone that projects to come in and help a little earlier than expected. So I'm going to go uh, Colby Jones here at 19. I-, I love Colby Jones. I think he's got one of those games that's just versatility on both sides of the ball. Um, the outside shot took a big step this year, and I just like how smart of a player he is on the court um, on both sides. So I think him ending up in Golden State would be a win for both sides. I'm up at 20. This will be our last pick before we go to break. And I'm struggling with this one a little bit. I wanted to give him a big man, but I don't know that I trust. I have the Houston Rockets. I don't know that I have anybody high enough quite yet. James Najee is a name that I'm kicking around, but I think I'm just going to go best player available. And for me, that's going to be Bryce Sensabaugh. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but he can score buckets. I don't know. We, we took him in earlier. I took him in earlier. I shouldn't say we. So you have him in, you have Jalen Green, and now maybe you have Sensabaugh, Javari Smith. I, I don't know how much defense is going to be played, but I'm, they may score a whole bunch of points. Maybe Ime can coach him up. So I am going to go Bryce Sensabaugh with the 20th pick. And then we are going to take a short break here, Amari. When we come back, Metcalf will be on the board with number 21 overall, the Brooklyn Nets. All right. We are back with segment three. And Metcalf, go ahead. It's back-to-back picks with Brooklyn, actually, here. I'm going to go next. So uh, your pick might set the tone for me a little bit. Curious to hear where you go here with number 21 uh, with Brooklyn Metcalf. Yeah, I, I'm going to kind of take a home, a bit of a home run swing uh, with the name that Bryce just mentioned, uh, James Najee. I'm going to add some defense, some rim protection, some athleticism, and some size uh, to this Nets roster. We saw how much they struggled against the 76ers. Obviously, Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid, and everyone's going to struggle with him. But they didn't really have any bodies to even just throw at him to slow him down after Nick Claxton. Um, I, I think Najee is has the potential to be one of the best defensive players from this entire class. Um, incredibly young and how polished he is as a defender is really, really impressive. Metcalf, should I have taken him at 20 for the Rockets? Is that Should I have done that? No, no, because it made my pick at 21. So much easier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, do, I do like the idea of Najee um, with Houston a lot. Um, the, the pairing of him and Shangun would be interesting, uh, but um, and Rockets fans might be scarred from the lack of development from Usman Gruba. I, I just I really buy into what what Najee shows. The offense is non-existent uh, right now outside of offensive rebounds and rim running. But as a defender, I, I think it's just such a reliable baseline that he provides. All right. Amari, pick number 22. You're back to back Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I'm going to go. And Brooklyn's another team where, you know, they're just in like a weird spot. So I don't necessarily know which way they're, they're trending right now. But I'm just going to go with a player who was once viewed as a potential top five pick and he didn't necessarily have the season he needed to get to there. So his draft range is all over. Maybe he goes late lottery. Maybe he, you know, goes late in the first. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. with the 22nd pick. Uh, I think he is... Even though the numbers weren't there last year and he battled some injuries, he is an eye test guy. I mean, he's just extremely shifty with the ball on his hands and get downhill. Like, I buy into him as a shooter, secondary playmaker. Uh, competed on defense. Just the efficiency really wasn't there last year, and it's really tough for me to personally to justify picking him higher than right here. But if you're Brooklyn and you could take a little bit of an upside swing on a guy who could be a really good 
kind of like CJ McCollum type. If I had to compare him to somebody, I see a lot of you know shades of his game and, and Nick Smith Jr. I'm pretty comfortable with him right there, especially with the Dodge at 21. I think you uh, check two boxes, you know, going big and then just getting a, a small guy who can do a little bit of everything. Rucker, real quick, just your thoughts on Nick Smith Jr. overall. I, I'm just really intrigued because, like I said, I just did some film on him, so I'm curious what you think. Doesn't have to be the fit with Brooklyn overall, and then you also will have pick 23 with the Blazers who took Brandon Miller earlier. It's a tough one. I mean, he he had one of those years that we've seen it a lot in recent draft history. Like not every one and done is going to have that awesome year. And um, Jane McDaniels was always one of the the biggest case studies when it comes to that. He was a potential preseason top 10 pick and goes later to the Timberwolves. That looks like it's worked out all right. Um, So I, I think Nick just had a nightmare season. I think the fit there with Arkansas is a little overlooked because it was tough. They didn't have a lot of spacing. And obviously with his injuries, he was just trying to get caught up and get back to speed. And um, I think there's lottery buzz on him. It's fascinating. I mean, everyone you talk about, it's it's real. So it's going to be probably one of the most interesting storylines on draft night is where Nick Smith goes. Um, Okay. Portland at 23. I could go a number of different directions here. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna swing a little bit for upside. I know I took Brandon Miller at three. Um, I know they got Shaden Sharp. I'm going to get another high upside wing. So I'm going to take Maxwell Lewis. I really, really like him. I think regardless of drafting Brandon Miller, you could get another offensive force that might need a little bit of time to develop, but that's really high upside there for that pick. So um, I like Maxwell Lewis a lot. I mean, he was first half of the year just on an absolute terror and the numbers were so eye-opening a little bit of a late bloomer I like his offensive skills so I think if you could get him at that spot that'd be a great little roll the dice for Portland you just crush Pistons fans hearts because everybody (laughs) is wanting him to fall to 31 and everybody that's still watching live with us right now obviously we're quickly approaching that pick so we're getting through these other selections that narrows the list down for the ultimate pick by Rucker at 31 I'm on the clock 24 with the Kings I'm gonna take my guy Omax Prosper I think Omax is really really good I know he's another one of these late risers, but he's another guy I watched all year kind of behind the scenes. I don't really have the gumption to go on Twitter and throw these guys out. Dylan Jones was the only one I did that with, but Omax was another guy I tracked all year. I just think Omax is really good. I think he's really good defender. Talk about Jordan Hawkins. I never watched anybody defend Jordan Hawkins better than Omax. And I do think he just kind of has some good off-ball movement, play finisher, those type of things. The shot needs a little bit of tweaking, but it's not awful. So 24, I have Omax Prosper. Metcalf, you are on the clock. 25, can't believe they haven't made a selection yet. Seems like they always have a ton of draft picks. The Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, so the, the, they'll inevitably trade up somehow from this pick into 17 or 16 and get another steal. Um, so I'm looking at the wing for them. Dylan Brooks is, you know, obviously on the way out. Um, I'm kind of torn between two names, Julian Strother and Julian Phillips. Um, I'm just going to go with Julian Strother. I, I think he's getting, for some reason, weirdly slept on. He's arguably the best shooter in this class. Um, insane range. And then this year he showed so much more off the bounce um, with his ability to get to his spots in the mid range, get to his floater, get to the rim. Um, I I just think he's, I would be shocked if he's not at least a solid role player on offense. 
Um, and then I think he's one of the best wing rebounders um, in this class as well. So I know there are questions about the defense. I think he's smart and experienced and big enough where it will eventually get to a place where it's not a glaring negative. And I think the just offensive output um, is easily going to make up for it. So this is what I feel like is going to happen on draft night. We're going to get to pick 20 and Pistons fans are going to be ecstatic about the wings that are left on the board to take it 31. And then all of these guys are going to start going up. Max Lewis, Julian Schrader, you know, a couple others probably going to go before 31 comes up. And I'm like, man, like I just, I want one of those guys to fall. Metcalf, I want to ask you real quick before we go to Amari with pick 26 to the Pacers. Leonard Miller has not been selected by us yet. Are you surprised? Because all of a sudden I'm hearing people talk about him in the lottery. Did me taking Bilal at 12 with the Thunder instead of Leonard Miller? Is that the only place he can go in the lottery? Are you that high on him? What's going on? Like, are we way off here? No. I mean, if you wanted Leonard Miller going top 10, you probably brought brought on two of the worst guys um, to do that. <laughs> um I, I'm intrigued by Leonard Miller. I, I love how much he grew this year. Um, I didn't think he was even draftable last year. The fact that he went to the Ignite this year and showed the growth um, and willingness to go from this on-ball role where he could do whatever he wanted uh, with no accountability in high school to this role where you know he just had to do the dirty work all of the time um, was really impressive. So I, I definitely think there's a lot to like there. I have him in my late first round. I've met 28 on my board, so this is kind of the range where I'd start entertaining it. I don't get the fit with him with the thunder really at all. I'd much prefer Koulibaly there. Um, So I know there are a lot of people who are really high on him, but I think fit is going to be really tricky. I don't think he, he, it's tough because I I would like him to go more of the Kevon Looney route of being the small ball, physical rebounder, uh, you know, center type guy. Some people are pitching the Jared Vanderbilt. I don't think he moves like that. So It'll be really tricky. I hope whatever team takes him really has a specific plan for him um, because he's proved that he's super coachable and super hardworking. So he'll be one of the more fascinating storylines on draft night. Amari, you're up at 26. Just a reminder, they did take Jarris Walker at pick seven. That was Rucker. So you have Jarris Walker with the Pacers, and now you're on the clock, pick 26. Yeah, I'm going to go Chris Murray, uh, you know, similar to his brother in some ways, uh, not quite the same player, but just a big do it all power forward, you know, solid defensively, can shoot, relocate, knows how to play the right way. I'm not drafting for need here. They do have a clear need for a power forward, but I just think after taking Jairus, uh, you know, first he just has the upside to be a really good all around four, uh, but, you know, maybe still some development along the way to get there. Uh, just taking a player who I know can slot in and, do a lot of the same stuff Keegan did uh, for Sacramento last year. Uh, to get him at 26 really to me is a, a, a steal. Uh, you know, I know he'll be 23 years old next season. And, you know, players in his range, you know, or in his age range typically aren't, you know, top 20 picks. But uh, he's just another player that I just think you look back a few years from now. And you see a lot of teams that, that took shots when they could have just took a, a long-time role player. And I think that's Keegan Murray. I'm sorry. I think that's Chris Murray. This is so – I'm not going to keep – I'm going <laughs> to do my best to confuse them next season. The Pistons were in Keegan's range last year. So every time I see Murray, I just think Keegan is Chris. Chris Murray. Rucker, you are on the clock now. Pick 27, the Hornets. Obviously, they took Scoot Henderson earlier. That was Amari's selection. Where are you going with this one? Um, I'm going to go a little upside here. Uh, I, I'm going to take a name that I thought – you know, heading into the year was going to be a top five pick. I'm going to take Dariq Whitehead of Duke. Um, I think that's a good spot for Charlotte to kind of be like, let's see if we can double down and almost strike gold twice. I know, you know, 
if they go Brandon Miller at, at two, maybe they look for a point guard here. I know Marcus Sasser has been a name thrown around there, but um, if you go scoot at two, I think almost you're going to have a shot to really get a nice piece with some um, great ROI. So I, I like Tariq Whitehead here to the Hornets at 27. I'm on the clock at 28 with the Jazz. We have selected Taylor Hendricks and Kaysen Wallace. This probably isn't a great selection because him and Hendricks may overlap a little bit in position. I don't know, a little bit. So I'm going to go way upside. I'm going to take Gigi Jackson. I know this is like the common, the Jazz have three first round picks. So they like, but I just think you can do that. You've taken Taylor Hendricks who kind of ready made, I feel like, right? Like he's going to come in three and D with some ceiling. Kaysen Wallace, I think is going to make an impact right away. So do I need to take another one that's ready right away in a team that's somewhat rebuilding? I would rather go ahead and just swing for the fences. Hope you can incubate him and figure things out. I think Gigi Jackson, this is the right time to go ahead and take that swing. Metcalf, you're up next. I would love to get your thoughts on that before you make your selection. It's so tough with with Gigi because he's obviously the youngest player in this draft. He should be going into his freshman season. If he didn't reclassify, he'd probably be the number one projected pick in 2024. And now we're seeing him fall into the second round in some places. Um, you just kind of got to bet on the talent, the athleticism and the youth and just hope that this year at South Carolina was an outlier and it was just a season from hell and everything is only getting better. Um, I think the jazz with their coaching staff, their developmental staff, what they've kind what the front office and um, coaching staff have proven in terms of development. I think that's a really good spot for him. Expectations would probably be super low. There'd be very little media attention on him. I think that'd be a really good spot for him to um, develop. And like you said, with the, this amount or with three first round picks, if you miss on 27 or 28, no one really cares. So, and if you hit, you look like a genius. And Gigi Jackson's one of those guys where if you hit on him, you're going to look like a genius. So, um, okay. I'm, I'm up with 29 to the Pacers. Yep, you have the Pacers. Yep. Okay. So I believe we have taken Jarris Walker and then Amari, you just took Chris Murray, Chris right? Murray. Okay. Um, so I'm going to continue to add to their defense. I'm going to take a bit of a home run swing with Julian Phillips. I, I think he's insane defender this year. And then I think he has so much more to his offensive game than Rick Barnes allowed him to show. I know shocker. So I'm like Chris Barnes or uh, Rick Barnes. Um, I think he's going to shoot. I think there's legit OG Ananobi upside with him. Just the the physicality, the athletic testing at the combine was super impressive. Um, yeah, Julian Phillips. So the trend of these wings that I would love to land in Detroit at 31 <laughs> continues. I thought some of them were going to be on the board and now we're getting really, really close to none of them. No, there, there's still some guys. I think it speaks to kind of this range and how many wings there are. Cause there are still Jordan Walsh, Jaime Jaquez, Andre Jackson, Bobby Clintman, Ryan repair, Sissoko. So there's some guys. So Rucker's going to have a tough choice here in two picks, but we have one more before that and then we will settle in and finish off the episode with number 31 but Amari before that you have the Clippers with the 30th pick where are you going to go there my guy yeah I'm going to go Noah Clowney uh you know I've just been a big fan of his game uh you know I like his mobility uh, I like his defensive instincts you know I believe in the shooting touch I do think he'll be able to knock down threes like consistently with time and 
He's really young too. Uh, the Clippers, I mean, again, it's late in the draft, and you know, I'm not really thinking about you know fit this late, but I'm just comfortable with Clowney as more of an upside swing. It may take a few years from the pop, but you know, I have faith in him eventually becoming a really good rotation center at, at minimum. And you know, if you're LA and uh, you know, again, they have some big decisions coming up too, right? You, know, you have Kawhi, Paul George, you know, who have kind of dealt with injuries, and uh, you know, how many more years do you kind of let that go until you hit the reset button? Uh, you could probably feel comfortable with taking a prospect that, you know, may take a few years to pop. But I like Noah Clowney a lot. You know, I think he's probably somewhere in that 15 through 30 range, like a, a lot of guys. But, you know, I don't think I don't think teams are going to let him fall to the second round. I just think the upside is too strong for him. So we're at pick 31. I just want to read some of the names off my board. This doesn't mean it's the same as your guys is, but Leonard Miller is the, the top name on my board. City Sissoko, Ryan Repair, Pajimski, Marcus Sasser, who's really interesting, Clintman, and then some of those wings I mentioned earlier, Jackson, Haquez, Walsh, and then Trace Jackson Davis. Rucker, like I said, there, there's some definite options you can go here. I'm very intrigued in general with this pick for the Pistons. And then with the way this is planned out for us, I'm really excited to see what you do. Hey, we can war room this and kind of all have our own voice. I mean, I'm fine with that. I don't I don't need to it just be on me. So I mean what direction would you guys make a pick favorite? No, I mean, well, I have names I like a lot. Um, but there is a lot of different directions you can go, especially if you're trying to pair that with Whitmore. Let's war room it. Let's do it. I, I don't room I don't think yeah. you're ducking for the record, I do not think <laughs> Rucker is ducking it. If Metcalf wants to say that, then that's between you two. So Let's Amari, you, you start us off here and we'll war room it and we'll finish off the episode like with the this. selection. Yeah. Let's do it. This is what the people want. Come on, <laughs> yeah. better content. They don't need you to just get my prediction. <laughs> yeah, let's war room it. That's fun. You know, I would probably go of the available names. And that's funny, I, I listed uh, six players to look at uh, 31 a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I think all six of those guys are, are going there, all three and D prospects. And then also mentioned ZG Jackson, that's somebody to look out for. And I don't know if he makes it to the second round. Uh, you know, I would probably go Rupert here. I would probably go Rupert. You know, I think, you know, if you're just looking at players with that three and D upside, he's absolutely in that mix. Uh, you know, six, six, I know he's got a big wingspan, but didn't shoot it uh, particularly well, but just an, an upside play, right? An upside play. It's you know, like at this range, it's just, it's, it's, it's just tough, right? You don't know if you guys are going to work out or not, but he's probably the one I would feel the most confident in uh, being somebody who pops in a few years. We got to do the Marcus Sasser thing if we're going to war room this. So, I mean, is, is Marcus Sasser in play for us or not? Because I feel like if he is, I, I like Marcus Sasser, but then we got to probably have a plan for killing Hayes. Are we ready to give up on that for Marcus Sasser? Or do you guys think they can play together? So what are you, what are you guys doing with that name comes up? I mean, if I was in that front office and Sasser was on the board at 31, it would be the easiest decision I ever made because I love his mentality. I also think that's doubling down on what we we're trying to talk about with Whitmore. You're getting a mentality guy and Sasser, I think he's one of the best, you know, creation guys in terms of getting his shot and he's explosive. Um, he's got the right mentality you want from a point guard. He's going to, he doesn't care who's across from him. He's going to go to war. He's ready to go. So he'd be fantastic for Pistons fans. They'd love him very quickly. Um, it's just, and I, like Amari said, I like Rupert a lot. I think he's going to be a name that's more popular in front offices than probably the public um, because there's so much tools. He's a pest defensively. And I, I think there's a lot of upside with his game waiting to get unlocked. But Sasser would be one of those, 
you know, Cam Whitmore might be the swing for the fence, but Sasser might be like, okay, you're trying to get a single or a double and take another step in the right direction. And I'd really like that. But like you guys say, there's a lot of really intriguing names. Um, Buckets, right? Like we got Sasser. I think on the wing, you have the guys that I've mentioned. I'm kind of like Bobby Clintman, but that's a little more of an upside. And then we we do, we got to consider this because we took Cam Whitmore with the first pick. I think you could, I know the joke with the big men in Detroit, but you have Leonard Miller and Trace Jackson Davis on the board. And so I think you could have conversations around one of those two guys. So Metcalf, I feel like we got to figure out where we're going to go positionally, or is there a guy just at the top of your board? Uh, No, this range is really fluid uh, for me, but two of the names that I keep looking at um, and big reason are is shooting is Marcus Sasser and Ben Shepard. Um, and I think they're two guys who would be able to help pretty quickly, who are two pretty low maintenance guys, can play a variety of roles, add a bit of feel, strength, uh, solid defense, and outside shooting. Um, if you're looking for more of the upside swing, though, I think Bobby Clintman, the name that you mentioned, is a really, really good one. I love him as a defender. Uh, the shooting percentages weren't necessarily there, but it looks good. I think he's got good touch. Um, so the the hope is that you know a year from now he's kind of looking like what taylor hendricks looked like this year um th- those would probably be the three names at the top of my list um i think leonard miller and trace jackson davis are really interesting names but i worry about what that does to the spacing um and just how much of a log jam that creates and if they can actually get minutes based on um you know duran wiseman stewart so i i would lean sasser or um Shepard with Bobby Clintman and even Rupert as kind of the, the, the home run swings. I'm I'm kind of in on Marcus Sasser. Rucker, I feel like you're in on Marcus Sasser. Omari, like, are you going to pound the table for somebody else or can you dig it with Marcus Sasser as well? No, I like Sasser. Like, I can get behind Sasser. I just don't, you know, I don't know if the Pistons necessarily need to use a draft resource on a point guard, just given that they've taken three uh, just with top seven picks. Uh, like I like Sasser's game a lot. I mean, he can shoot it. I think he just brings leadership. I think he's a guy that just comes in and has a long career as you know, sort of like that 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 starting point guard. You know, like maybe like six men on championship team. But you know, we've just seen how important those those types of players are over the years. Just for the Pistons, that's just, that you know that that doesn't excite me a lot. You know, I think you're guaranteed to get a really good player there, and for thirty one. Uh, that's that's good as it gets, right? You know, you could take Sasser there. That's I'm not going to argue against it. I think that's fine. It's just if you're just looking at sort of what this team needs to kind of swing outcomes long term, that doesn't excite me as much. But Sasser's a great player. I like his game. I think at 31, he makes a lot of sense. All right. I love it. Here's what we're going to do, Rucker. You're going to be GM Troy Weaver. You're going to take the recommendations from the three of us. You can take those recommendations or you can still make your own selection. So we'll go around here and then Rucker, you'll make the ultimate decision at 31. Metcalf, who are you recommending? You got to give one. We can't, we can't double down. You just got to give one. Co- you know, GM Troy Weaver, Rucker, this is what you got to do. This is my recommendation. Uh, yeah, I, I'll go with Ben Shepard then. Um, it, oh gosh, it, now I got to ignore you. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> um, awesome, awesome shooter showed, you know, some pick and roll creation, smart, reliable passer physical uh reliable consistent defender um i I think you'd be able to be a uh you know a a rotation guy on the perimeter pretty quickly and very low maintenance omari i'm 
Sticking with root root repair is root repair, right? Not root yeah. repair. Yeah, I'm sticking with repair. You know, I just think upside swing. Uh, you know, just like how he handles the ball, his size, like massive wingspan, uh, long term. He's just somebody who's probably going to affect the outcomes for Detroit a little bit more. And uh, you know, this team just won 17 games. I mean, they weren't 17 win. You know, bad last season. Obviously, they kind of tanked her at the end for Wimby, but you know, I'm more so concerned about in outcomes with that last pick. So I would still go that way. All right, I'm going to make it fun then. So we did this whole thing for I knew you were going to do it, Bryce. I knew but, it. I was like, you're going to give me another name, so I have to look like a jerk to someone. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'm, I'm going to go Bobby Clinton. I'm just going to say, okay. um, Amari brought up a good point. I really like Marcus Sasser, but is that what you want to bring in right now? I'd rather take the swing, and so I would go Bobby Clinton. So I don't know. You can say you're going to stay at the wing position can, since that's kind of what we all gave you, the perimeter guys, but ultimately you're the GM of the Pistons. You can tell us all the – kick rocks and make the selection you want but there there okay. was our there was our war room i like all the names um i i am i'm gonna go with ben shepherd i i actually think that's a name to keep an eye on i know he's getting he's had a fantastic pre-draft process the combine he was awesome um i think that's a nice wrinkle for detroit especially like at 31 everyone's gonna be like oh that's a second round pick no that's a great pick to have because you're usually getting a, a valued piece that's coming down the board and Shepard's one of those good size versatility a sharp shooter I think with Whitmore as the upside guy that needs that outside shot to develop now you're getting Shepard that could come in and kind of give you that floor spacer and I think another high intangibles great kid that's probably gonna fit in with that team perfect so I like Sasser, but I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna trust at least Metcalf, I guess. But I liked all of your nominations; they're all good. I think Rupert would be tough. I think Omari's on to something. Rupert would be tough to pass up there if he's on the board. I love it. I can keep getting conspired against every single time I <laughs> I, I bring on two guests and I get conspired against. Usually it's Amari and Wes. For the record, Wes is on vacation in Punta Cana with his wife, so it's um. understandable why he missed this one. We did miss him. I think we held it together pretty good. Metcalf, Rucker, guys, no ceilings is crushing the NBA draft media space. They have been working and grinding, and they're they've been known, but they have blown up this year. And it's because of the work they put in. You guys just put out your draft guide. Go subscribe to it. Listen to the podcast again. It's in my personal queue. You can go read crazy articles and scouting reports. Crazy in a good way because of how good they are. Just. I'm telling you, no ceilings needs to be part of your NBA draft coverage, whether it's Twitter or otherwise. Thank you guys for joining us. Metcalf, Rucker, let them know where they can find you individually or no ceilings as a whole. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at TMetcalf11. Uh, no ceilings NBA across all socials, no ceilings NBA.com. Uh, we put up at least something Monday through Friday, every day, 100% free. Um, so just Go, go over, subscribe, uh, and then there are links to the draft guide as well, which is 10 bucks if you can afford it, uh, would mean the world. Um, if not, subscribe to the Daily Stuff and the No Ceilings NBA Draft Podcast, also Monday through Friday. Appreciate you guys. Metcalf said it well. Um, I just want to thank you guys for having us on. This was a blast. Uh, we're excited to see what the Pistons do. I feel like you guys are on the right path, and I feel like this could be the draft that really sets them, uh, you know, on the rise. I'm, I'm excited for Pistons basketball moving forward. So thank you guys so much for having us on. This was a blast. Hey, thanks so much for joining. I mean, this was a ton of fun. I mean, you guys are a wealth of, of draft knowledge. And obviously, I have a lot of respect, you know, just for people who just commit so much time to 
reviewing all these all these prospects. Uh, just obviously great resource for fans, and uh, just thanks for joining us. Well, not a good Pistons talk, you know. I think I think fans of all thirty teams should listen to this pod and and learn learn a little something because I, I learned some stuff too. I learned some stuff too. I think it's a deeper draft, maybe than I, I thought that I'd actually go through and see who's there at thirty one. So uh, could be a really fun day for the Pistons for sure. All right, guys, thank you so much. Thank you for everybody listening, watching live. If you're listening on the podcast, leave a rating, review, all of that. We appreciate the support so much. Omari, take it away, my guy. All right, big thanks to our audio producer, Robin Chan, our executive producer, Anjadette Delgado, and our sports editor, Kirkland Crawford. Also, big shout-out to Wes, who was not with us today, but he will be with us next week uh, as we continue draft talk going into June 22nd. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all soon.